Welcome to What's Your Beef, a Beef Australia production. Each week we will introduce you to people living and working in the beef community and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic triennial event. Hello, this is What's Your Beef and I'm Jane Cudahy. The Beef Australia Stud Cattle Program has always been a centrepiece of the event, cumulating in the show-stopping Champion of Champions parade in the centre ring. But the hard work starts years before the judging begins and the Beef Australia team is thrilled to announce the Beef 24 Stud Committee, led by Calide Valley Beef producer James Kent. It's a diverse committee with some experienced and long-term members as well as some fresh faces and ideas. I managed to sit down with James on his veranda as he prepared to chair his first Beef 24 Stud Committee meeting. Now, James, you've had a long association with the beef industry from, from childhood, really. So tell us where, where you grew up and, and what kind of involvement you had in the beef industry. Yeah, thanks, Jane. So now, long association with, with the beef industry and, and specifically stud cattle, born into a, a Brahmin seed stock operation, uh, my family's operation, Ooline, uh, which was started down towards Jinjin and as a young child we moved up here to the Calide Valley um, where we've sort of been ever since um, and and yeah for as long as I can remember just a, a really deep passion you know started as a young child looking through catalogues and old Brahmin newses and country lives with dad it, it you know it's something that you know I from my childhood I, I have really good memories of and I think that that's where, you know, my um, interest and, and, you know, passion and, and want to carve a career out in the, in the livestock industry really stems from. Yeah, well, that was my next question. How did you know that, you know, when you were growing up that the beef industry was for you? What really cemented that? Yeah, I suppose just, you know, I had, we had cousins that were in the city and, and seeing them at family events, you know, like, it really made us appreciate what we have living on the land and, and having cattle and caring for, you know, dogs and cattle and horses and all those sort of things. So, so the, li- the lifestyle as well as, you know, a yeah, career. Yeah, certainly. Certainly the lifestyle. I love that you just dumped your cousins in it then. Just yeah. sort of like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> we've got it better than you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, they love coming up and, and being here and, and that just made us appreciate it more, you know. It was something that... Know, yeah we really didn't take it for granted and you know really enjoy so yeah and and I think sort of as I've gone on my adult life um you know I've I've got a really um you know a, I suppose a whole new appreciation for it I find that you know the fact that whatever part of the livestock industry you're in you know you, we're supplying food and fiber and protein for you know the global population and, and I think that's something quite cool something that I, I certainly enjoy being a part of and, and something that I hope our family can be a part of for a very long time and we'll come back to that that idea that you know it isn't just a business for you and your family there is you know it is the, for the greater good but what was your first job after you finished school uh, so I sort of did a bit of cattle work on properties but I, I think one of the real first jobs I had was uh, working as a contract tordner along the power lines. Oh my goodness, I haven't even heard that word for a long time. I yeah, <laughs> no, it was um, <laughs> it was it was good fun. It was very tough work. I, I think uh, 
I suppose I won't go too off track here, but one story about that was that we were, we were going along uh, under the power lines, under the big metal power lines, um, and we'd clear 15 metres either side. Anything over three metres had to be cut down, anything under could be sprayed. And on my first day, I said to the guy that I was in the ute with, I said, how many spans a day do we average? And he said, oh, you know, 10 to 15 is a pretty standard day. Well, we'd done think nine by smoker and I thought well this is the easiest <laughs> this is the easiest $30 an hour I'm ever gonna earn we come up over the ridge and all you could see was just wall-to-wall waddle three and a half meters high oh. <laughs> we did half a span for the rest of the day and I couldn't even lift my chainsaw into the back of the ute at the end of the day so yeah but no it was fun it's it was uh it was good uh, from there I went into I went into livestock agency um Started with elders uh, in in Mara and Theodore, which you know, I suppose that was really where my career started to take off. I learnt some really good skills there, dealing with people, communication skills, marketing cattle, um, and and that sort of set me up from you know going from that into you know now my wife and I, Cass, we've just purchased our own property and. We're running our own business and the skills that I've picked up through that, you know, we certainly implement within our own business. You brought up some really good points about communication and marketing, certainly in terms of, of that agency influence. Do, do, do producers and value those kind of skills enough, do you think? Like you, you saw it from an agent's point of view with an appreciation for the other side, but, you know, is that is that a skill set that we should be taking into consideration a bit more yeah well uh, you know i think a lot of people that you know are born into grazing operations you know they're they're often encouraged to go and work on another property or get a trade or or something like that and um for me going and doing livestock agency and auctioneering it was you know tenfold I, i wasn't just working i wasn't experiencing something different in one operation every day i was experiencing something different in someone else's property or someone else's yard handling different cattle you know talking to an older generation most of the time and and um and then yeah trying to place their cattle to most benefit them so logistics i think that's a really undervalued skill set too logistics coordinating trucks was (laughs) i don't know if too many people know but mara that runs quite a big clearing dip and coming from a brahmin background i didn't have quite a lot to do with dipping cattle but you know a couple of years at at elders mara i certainly knew how to dip cattle that was for sure um but yeah and and that whole, I can probably go into a, a little bit about that and, and link it all back to beef, but becoming an agent and an auctioneer, the skills that set me up for that were sort of, um, I suppose, nurtured and, and started through showing cattle at a young age and, and doing junior events, junior parading and junior judging. So, you know, yeah, sort of link, all links back to, to doing that as a child and that whole passion that I had quite young so yeah. What was the catalyst for going home or, or back to the family business and, and you know going into that seed stock production? Cattle was what I knew, cattle was what I loved and I just had to work out how to carve carve a way into it I suppose, work out how to you know form some sort of a living. At home wasn't quite big enough for, for me to be working there full time so you know there was quite a lot of things that we did 
from Tordening to livestock agency to um, my brother and I have started our own um, pasture renovation business and and then to where we are now we're, um, we've got a young family and you know we've just purchased our own property so yeah it's all those things I think you know there was just no other option I wanted to be in cattle and I, I was extremely passionate about it. Why stud cattle too because that's that's different again to you know trading and and breeding and, and that sort of thing. Certainly um, I suppose first off I never really want to lose sight of the commercial side of things um, you know whether you're breeding hundred thousand dollar bulls or you know, um, five dollar a kilo wiener steers, or boat cattle, or you a few know, decks of beautiful bullocks, nice yeah, fat bullocks. Yeah, or, that's always pretty satisfying. Yeah, <laughs> or or even four hundred day fed wagyus. You know, it doesn't matter <laughs> what you're doing. I think it's important to not lose sight of the end product. But but yeah, in terms of the whole stud industry, you know, just the the breeding that goes into it. You know, the fact that you take a a cow buy a cow and you choose the mating and you see the outcome and then to be able to follow that through you know all that animal's life you know feed it and nurture it and tend to it and take it through to a sale and then you know see what you put into it rewarded at an auction or, or and then you know hopefully see that that bull then go out and do really well for the purchaser it's just something that I'll never get old of. I, I really enjoy it and, and something that I'll continue to keep striving to breed better and better cattle. So, yeah, I suppose that's the main reason why, you know, really like stud cattle. And within your own operation, what, what kind of improvements have you seen over the time, uh, well, technology, use of technology in your operation from when, you know, you were whippersnapper, tordening on the side of the road to now when you're making some of those genetic, you know, high-end decisions? It's... Probably within our own stuff, within our own operation, you know, the the speed in which things are happening through, you know, the improvements in artificial breeding from, you know, I suppose, I remember Dad doing AI programs 20 years ago and although they were around a lot longer than that, it was a big deal, you know, we're AIing heifers and, you know, to think now we've just put in, Cass and I have just put in cedars in our own recips on our own property to sync up for our you know, an IVF program and at which we're going to be IVFing 12-month-old heifers that we've identified that are, you know, the bloodlines that we want to go forward with. And we just, the increase, I suppose, in, you know, the genetic gain through, you know, the improvements in artificial breeding, I think that's probably been the, the, the big one that we've had in our business. And what about as a whole, because, you know, you, you are quite passionate about the, the bigger picture as well. Are seed stock producers using some of these technologies to the best of their ability when you look around some of the bigger producers and, and the sales? Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's a bit of a can of worms. You could you could argue that, you know, some stud breeders are breeding stud cattle without the end producer in mind and, you know, therefore bringing in issues. But I think so long as, you know, so long as you... You're focused on what you're trying to breed and, and the market that you're trying to suit. You know, as long as you have those core values at the hardiest stud operation, well, I think that's the, that's the main thing. You and, and a group of other young producers put together a, a sale, the Great Northern Brahmin sale last year. 
what was that experience like? What, what was the instigator that you wanted to, to put together your own sale when there are some quite big Brahmin sales already? Yeah, last year was the first year we had uh, a bull sale, but we started the Great Northern Brahmin sale three years ago now, um, and and basically well, it didn't happen overnight. That's no, amazing. No, it's, <laughs> it was um, it was a plan, like all good plans, conducted at the Sun Palms in Rockhampton. And, you know, there's probably even some notes scribbled on the back of a coaster somewhere. I was going to say, I can absolutely it. see how this started for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, but no, there's there's five of us, um, all quite close in age, um, barring one member who who's a little bit older that provides us with a, a fair bit of a fair bit of wisdom with his old age as I well. Can, but uh, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the, I'll t- don't tell him. I won't tell him you said that. But um, <laughs> no, we we. All quite like-minded. We found ourselves buying the same cattle. You know, we were breeding a similar type of animal and, and the same people were buying, you know, that were buying. Our cattle were buying, you know, the other part, the other members of the group's cattle. So from that, I suppose, you know, we're quite similar tastes in what we were breeding um, and, and a real catalyst was we purchased a female from um, Brett Nobbs, in 2017 i'm going to say at the time she was the record price red brahmin female uh, at 45,000. so there was five of us that purchased her everyone thought we were quite mad you know you can't do that to which i responded well people do it with racehorses why can't we do it in cattle and you know it was a way for all of us who were you know mid to late 20s uh, to really afford something that you know if we were going to purchase on our own we wouldn't have been able to do so with the purchase of her that was the the real catalyst you know she bred extremely well and is still breeding extremely well for us and from that it was just a natural progression we all had progeny of hers that you know we wanted to market and and we decided well you know why don't we have a crack you know take a big bite and chew really hard and and instigate our own sale, uh, which we did. Well, I guess when, once you take it off the back of the bar coaster and you can make it reality, like that's an achievement in itself. Let alone, you know, whether or not what the sale results were. Yeah, that's yeah. a bonus. Yeah, no, it was um, it was really cool. Win, lose, or draw to be able to get to that point. Something that you know, growing up, I thought was only reserved for the the biggest of the big studs, and you know, the fact that we had a you know put it together, you know. We did everything with it from building the yards from scratch to, you know, doing the marketing and, and putting the catalogue together and photos and videos and the whole lot. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, something that we're all extremely proud of. So. And, you, and you should be. So I guess, you know, we are here to talk about beef. You mentioned Beef 21 and, and through through your own business, but we're, the next beef is Beef 24 and you are the newly, freshly minted uh, chair of the stud committee so tell me what about that role what put what made you want to stick your hand up for that position yeah so i suppose you know first off the beef stud cattle competition is just the it's the pinnacle of of showing cattle it's also really the pinnacle of sea stock industry you know for for three years it's a lot of planning and preparation goes into you know, a week of 
showing cattle and doing deals and sales and events. Do you find it's a bit of a leveller too? Like when you're talking about all the other sales and you've got people that are doing EBVs and taking on genomics and doing a lot of different things within their own sales and businesses, do you think that, you know, the competition like at beef is a, is a leveller? Yeah, I suppose so. It's It really gives, you know, anybody a chance and I suppose that's what people get drawn to. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a 10-year-old kid with you know, two cows and your first bull calf. I fondly remember showing JK01, our first bull at Beef 09. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, he got fourth, stood up in a in a run of bulls amongst, you know, the biggest of the big studs. And, you know, I think at sales, you know, especially multi-vendor sales, people can sort of feel like if they're a smaller person or, you know, if they're not embracing... They don't have the flashiest bloodlines or they're not embracing genomics or EBVs. They can, you know, feel like they, you know, might have been a bit hard done by. But in a show ring under a judge, well, that judge is just looking at the animals and that's it. And, and you know, anyone's got a chance so long as their animal's, you know, presented right and, and, and the judge sees the qualities that he's looking for in it. So, yeah, it's certainly a, you know, I suppose you could call it a level up, but, yeah, it's it's... It, the, yeah, it's a really good thing. Yeah, well, your eyes were all twinkly then, so it must be it must be an exciting prospect to yeah. to look at. Um, tell me about the committee. Who have you got on the committee? Twelve members this year. Um, we've got a few existing ones, which is I'm glad for. Um, as going in first year on the committee and and as chairman, I'm I'm very glad that we've got you know Margaret Olive back as our as our coordinator. Marty Rollins and Bonnie Geddes as previous members, so we're certainly going to lean on their, you know, experience, I suppose. But but uh, something that, you know, I think when meeting with um, Simon, the, the beef CEO, you know, they were talking about getting some young and fresh people in, and, and there is a, a huge group of, of younger people that are, you know, first on this committee, first time on this committee. It's exciting, you know, bring in some fresh people, bring people in that, you know, are keen and... and you know, have some energy yeah. and time, yes. which is which are two very precious things. Yes, certainly. So <laughs> no, I, I think um, you know it'll be it'll be good. We've got you know the likes of Anthony Ball, an elders agent, Sydney McDort from DAF. We've also got um, some Ruby Canning and, and Maddie Morgan. You know, young young producers come from young you know seed stock operations. So yeah, I, I'm really excited. There's there's quite a few more uh, which I won't go into. We, we as we talk now, we've got our first meeting yeah. this afternoon. So keen to get in, meet everyone and, yeah. and see what we can do. So what do you hope as chair? What kind of mood do you want to set? I think just stress-free. I think it's a... <laughs> Good luck. Everyone, uh, that's a wonderful... <laughs> yeah, everyone's that I've spoken to about it and since being announced as it, you know, have mentioned what a big job it is and, and I'm under no illusions. I know it's going to be a big job. The beef stud cattle competition is extremely successful for a reason. It's done right. Uh, we're not here to reinvent the wheel. It, it's a, it's a really good competition, you know, and and I want to continue that. You know, I I, I don't want to make too many earth earth shattering changes. So when you say the stud committee, what what are you doing? What's your day to day? Yeah, so the stud committee are really an advisory for the beef board and staff, but really. Uh, deciding on all sorts of events from classes and criteria, prize money and entry fees, scheduling of events, the 
the whole junior competition, the implement of stewards, selecting judges, and there's a lot more from camping through to the cattle housing, cattle induction, you know, from bringing them in and, and scanning them all in, so all the mouthing and weighing, so pretty much anything that encompasses the... Making you know. sure that there's enough power points for the hair dryers of exactly. the European breed. That's exactly right. Always. We want to make sure that the blowers are ready and they're yep. going. Yep. Perfect. Um, Off polish. Yeah, all those the things. Yeah. <laughs> the hairspray and, yeah, now we, uh, yeah, just... You know, make sure it's a smooth event, you know, and, and try and keep as many people as we can happy, I suppose. They've put a lot of time and effort into getting to that point and we want to make it as seamless as it can be for them. That's exactly right. And I guess, you know, that there is so much money, time and effort involved and travelling, you know, we see studs. You know, in your experience of beef, where have you seen studs come from to, to show their cattle? I've got a good friend that brought lead steers up from... West of Geelong, uh, he brought up a Brangus Belgian Blue cross steers at a, to a beef a number of years ago, and and I'm sure that there's studs that come from, you know, I, th- I think there's Simmental cattle that come from South Australia. Yeah. I might be. Well, I certainly heard of I think just about every state and territory except for Tasmania and, and Western Australia. Though I have this really vague memory of talking to someone from Western Australia last beef, but it could be a complete. Um, fabrication but what's the value like you know that's a that's a big effort to bring cattle from west of, of Geelong so you know what's the value in, in showing cattle this way it's just your audience you know not only do you have every you know cattle producer and seed stock producer in in central Queensland but also certainly a lot from within you know Queensland and interstate beast where do you, where you go to you know it's it's marked on the calendar after the completion of last beef, it's marked on the calendar the next beef and, and everyone's there, everyone's keen to see cattle or do something with cattle. Or, so not to mention, you know, an international audience. You've got hopefully next beef, you know, now that COVID has eased, we see a larger contingent of international visitors and, and I think that's something that you just don't get the chance anywhere else, you know, that it, it really is right there and... And specifically, I think the jewel and the crown of, of the whole beef stud cattle competition, the interbreed, you know, the, the interbreed is, sits on its own. You know, the audience that, that watch the interbreed and, and see the Grand Parade and then I think as a stud breeder, you know, to be able to strive towards having a, a bull or a female sitting out there in that interbreed, is, it certainly sits high on my agenda um, and I th- would assume it sits high on quite a lot of people's agenda. Why do you go to beef? It's probably changed a little bit. In the f- now, we're before you had a you know a job on the committee, why didn't you go to bed? Yeah, well, <laughs> even in life, it's probably changed a little bit. I know from my first beef, I think I would have gone to Beef 2000, Beef 03. I remember a colouring in competition at school from Beef 03. Um, through You're to showing your age now, aren't you? 06 <laughs> and with cattle and then 09, certainly with school, we took cattle there. And then once I sort of hit 18, you know, it was a social event as well as cattle. You know, we looked forward to the hats and heels and the and all the rest of it. There was a lot of events, you know, that you went to. But but now, uh, you know, as I've matured, it's, you know, you, you're going there to, to talk to people within your industry. You're networking, you're looking at cattle, you, 
you're purchasing cattle. If you're not purchasing cattle, you're probably purchasing machinery or ag tech or you're doing something there and all the while having a really good time. Now, you um, just to, to tie up a little bit, um, you know, you've been involved with with other industry organisations and leadership roles before you came to, to this particular position. How did how did the likes of, you know, advancing beef leaders and those kind of, of programs set you up for this? Yeah, so... Uh, as you know, Jane, I've just completed a, a 12-month leadership course with advancing beef leaders, which I can strongly say, had I hadn't have done, I definitely wouldn't have put my hand up for this role. You know, it, it was something that put me outside my comfort zone. It taught me a lot about you know, leading within the industry, but not only that, a lot of personal growth, you know, within that, and, and it... it pre that I just it wasn't even on my radar I wasn't I was just doing rowing my own boat doing my own thing and that was great you know I would have been at the bar probably most nights looking at cattle having a grand old time which I I still intend on doing but maybe not to the same extent but But, um, your wife is in earshot and she's going to have a new baby then too so you gotta be really careful James yeah (laughs) yes yes. but uh, yeah as I as I sort of said I, I don't I just don't think you know, without doing that course, I would have I would have pulled it on it and and doing it. You know, it brought that perspective that you know, giving back to the industry and and getting involved with those things and the personal growth that you'll get out of doing that. You know, really led me to put my hand up for it and and. Um, yeah, I'm excited for. Just on that, because we did start talking about, you know, thinking about outside your business and thinking about the industry as a whole. As a young producer in the Australian beef industry, how do you, like, what really is the importance of, you know, working outside your business and considering, you know, the industry as a whole when you're, you know, making decisions like joining committees or, you know, even even your local show society or, or some of those smaller ones? Yeah, it's a really good point it's i think it's easy for us all to get stuck in our own rut whether it's working for a family business or working for a company or working for your own business you know to just sort of stay with that and not really you know go to those events and enjoy it but not think any more about it but it's really important to know that you know without people giving back those things don't happen whether it's you know your local pnc or a local show committee or local tennis group or whatever it is all the way through to beef that doesn't happen without people putting in time and and volunteering their time and making it happen and you know the people that are doing that aren't going to do it forever so yeah i think as a young person in it you know if you're not thinking about it you certainly should be like it's it just doesn't happen without it you know all the things that we've grown up experiencing are off the back of volunteer groups and volunteer committees so if you want to enjoy that into the future and you want your families to enjoy that into the future, you know, you, you probably got to look at doing a bit of that. Not to mention the people that you meet through it and, and the skills that you, you grow out of it. Conducting meetings and chairing, you know, for me and my position, being able to chair a meeting of... of effectively chair. There's one, there's a big difference between chairing a meeting and effectively chairing exactly, a meeting as that's, well. That's exactly yeah. right. But, yeah. but effectively chairing a meeting of, of for this stud cattle committee at my age, well, you know, who knows what's in the future and, and the skills that I'm going to pick up now are certainly going to put me in good stead for whatever lies in the future. Like doing various leadership programs, for example, the ABL program that I came through or the Graham Acton Beef Connections 
leadership program that Beef Australia run it. You know, if you're doing one of those, well, putting your hand up for those, the skills that you're going to get out of that, you know, really going to put your forward into. Perfect. I do want to ask you, you know, we, we hear a lot about the junior competitions, even the schools program, you know, there's so much involved for all ages at Beef. You know, what are you thinking to be able to, to really link the age groups together and, and have a, a transition between some of those junior events and, and the, you know, I was going to say senior competition. It's not really a senior competition, but that, you know, yeah, speed stuff. So the whole junior competition I'm a huge advocate for. I came through it myself, you know, from doing junior parading, junior judging. And I suppose, you know, to really, to give you a bit of a backstory on it, you know, the skills that I got out of that, you know, confidence and public speaking set me up for my whole career, my whole, you know, life, really. I was a pretty average English student, C's and D's on essays, but I was an A's and B's speech man and, and I was it was the same thing written down. And the only link that I could have with that was the fact that, you know, by doing junior junior judging and junior parading, that, that set me up for that. And then from there, you know, I went into... You know, a, a brief career in livestock agency and auctioneering and, and being able to talk to people, all those skills that I use day to day now with things that I've picked out picked up out of the out of the junior events and, and I can see, you know, you see kids that you know, whether they're eight or ten or fifteen or sixteen that, you know, aren't that keen to get up and, and do it. And I often at when I'm judging at a at a show and doing doing junior events i use that example around around uh essays and speeches but i also say to them that you know somewhere along your life whether it's your 18th or your 21st or your friend's wedding or your wedding you're going to want to be able to make a speech and it'll be a lot easier doing it at, at beef australia and junior judging than what it will be at those events so i think you know just trying to encourage engagement it's a massive the whole junior Beef Junior events is a massive part of it and um, if we can get as many people into it as we can and, and, um, and yeah, it's try and make sure that, they're, that everyone's aware that, you know, by doing that, it sets you up for your adult life. It's not life. just the competition, exactly. it's so many, so many other skills. It's a really wonderful point. Now, there is a final question that we ask everyone on the Beef Podcast. Are you? I need to know, do you do any cooking at home? Do you? I do, yeah. Do I'm, you? I'm half fancy myself in the kitchen, oh, actually. Oh, you're half fancy. Yeah. He's confident as yeah, well. No, I'm nice. going confident. I've been thinking about this question, Jane. <laughs> oh, and even prepared. Yeah. Even better. Maybe yeah. I should throw you and say, what would you make for a fancy dinner? Well, then? that's what I'm going <laughs> to answer with. That's what I'm going to... Okay, well, go back to the normal program. Excuse me. Um, when you're cooking sort of midweek, what, what's your go-to cut? Well, you know, it's... It's probably been flogged to death on this podcast, but just a nice rump on the barbecue, you know, with some, you know, with some veggies. It's really good. But and how how long beforehand do you salt it? And don't tell me five minutes. No, probably fifteen, I, yep. I think. But it, you know, probably should be a bit longer even. But I, but I suppose I was just going to say, not that we do this every, you know, every week, but you know, once or twice a year if we have friends over or whatnot. I, I really enjoy uh, getting up. A whole tenderloin and searing that, and then and then putting it in the oven and, and slicing it with a bit of horseradish. Oh, horseradish, yes. So yeah, <laughs> like I think um, you know, it's just a bit a, fancy actually. Yeah, I like that. no, it's it's my it's a bit of a speciality. Cass would certainly attest that it comes out quite good. And yeah, it's certainly not a 
week to week one. That's a once That's or okay, twice a year. okay because we live close enough now that next time you do that, I could come over, which would be even better. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> and it. I'll, and I'll attest to it too. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, that's, that's probably... Um, that's probably what I've got for that. So. That's perfect, and I love that you were prepared. That's very impressive. Well, thank you very much, James Kent, for your time today. We look forward to the stud committee and um, everything that you will have in store for Beef 24. Mm, great. Thanks, Jane. That was James Kent, a beef producer from Queensland's Callied Valley and the incoming chair of Beef 24's stud committee. For any of our other conversations with Australia's beef community, head to the Beef Australia website. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.